is again, it's a chance as school starts to get your focus back on all the right stuff. And one of the things I'm hoping you'll be able to focus back in on is effective prayer. Because we started this series and then obviously we had a couple weeks off. We uh, came back and did a mission Sunday and just shared the praises of God and what he's been doing through the summer in the church. And by the way, the church has been doing wonderfully as far as just the ministry, the hearts of people. If you're relatively new to the church, I really encourage you to come, be a part of this community, but serve in the community is where you really find a lot of joy in serving and loving others. And in doing this, we turn to the Lord's Prayer. We've been talking about the Lord's Prayer for quite a few Sundays before the last. And the reason we did it was because many people we felt like did not know how to pray. And when it came to the Lord's Prayer, many of us learned it as a tradition, but we didn't learn it as a model. There's a huge difference. And the main difference is that as a model... It gives us the, the, the substance of what our prayers should entail. It helps us to understand in our prayers, there are a thousand ways to pray these things, but the substance of these things should be known to every believer. And so as we did that, we also did a questionnaire, and we realized the enemies that we must attack uh, in our lives, or let's say the enemies that attack our prayer lives. And the questionnaire showed us that 20% of the people said, I'm just too busy to pray. 20% dealt with an issue of time. 20% said it was sin. The top three prayer problems was pride and selfishness, laziness, and just life, getting tired. You know, after the summer, I don't know how, how your summer was, but you were so caught up and the kids are getting back to school. And for some of you, Labor Day weekend is just going to be a, a time of rest because you're tired. So prayer is something that gets sort of attacked by a lot of things. And so as we started to talk about effective prayer, we talked about how he began the conversation. And we're using the section out of Matthew chapter 6. And he said, our Father in heaven, and he told us about a relationship we need to have with our Father in heaven. How we need to treat him as both a dad and someone we love. The affection we should have towards him. And yet, affection born with respect because he's hallowed in his name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there are a hundred ways to express that. Just look into the Psalms and into David and see how he expressed just the hallowedness of God, but also the affection to him. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. And um, in that section, Josh preached, if you guys were here, if not, go online, look these up. And he did a great job of just expressing how his kingdom here on earth is going to be a little bit of pain involved with it. Because for his kingdom to come, we have to sacrifice our wills to the will of God. And he wants it to be on earth as it is in heaven. And this is something I want you to highlight a little bit in your head before we get into today's message. Do you know what it's like in heaven? Usually when people talk about heaven, they want to talk about, like, the devils and angels, right? But you realize the kingdom of God is greater than just angels. The kingdom of God is God's presence and every area of reign, which means every area. And so understanding the nature of heaven is very important. Because he then, as Chris uh, preached very well as well on 
He said, give us today our daily bread. He said, it's okay to pray that I will sustain you. I'll provide for you. That's okay to pray that. A lot of people think we shouldn't go to God with our petty grievances. I've actually talked to people like that. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. God takes care of every little thing in your life. Why would he not take care of the food in your refrigerator? Why wouldn't you pray to him? Why wouldn't you thank him for that? You see, in heaven, he provides everything for you. Why would he not provide everything for you on earth? Don't you see heaven? Don't you have a taste of heaven? Don't you realize that in heaven, everything is perfect and the Father loves you? You see, this next doctrine, as he moves from, I will provide for you, he moves into this next doctrine, which is a huge deal. And I think it's also probably one of the reasons people struggle praying to God. He says in today's message, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And some translations will say trespasses. Trespasses deal with when you do something wrong, right? Uh, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us when we do things wrong, Father. Forgive us when we make mistakes. But debts, debts have to do with anything, anything, any sort of uh, shortcoming you may have, any sort of obligation you don't fulfill, any sort of thing that you should have done that you didn't. It's the unspoken. It's the moment when you were on the road and you should have helped that man, but you didn't. I had an obligation just this last week. I was in the parking lot, and I was very, uh, I would say to the point, busy. And a gentleman had his car had stalled, and he needed a jump. And he came to me, and I was at the ATM, and he approached me, which, first of all, if somebody approaches you at the ATM, you're guarded a little bit anyways. But... Um, he said, could you, could you help me with a jump? And, you know, I'm a pastor, so you'd think, oh, this sacrificial guy. My first thought was, oh. it wasn't like, could I get out of it? It was, just, it was more like, uh, yeah, I've got to do this. My feelings weren't there, but my heart was. Because you know what? In heaven, we love others the way God loves us. And so I thought, you know what? Here it is, an opportunity for me to show that I owe something to someone else. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Who's, who, do you, who are you in debt to? This is, I can't express this theology enough. I want you to pause a second. Just listen to me very, very carefully. I've been pastoring a long time, and this is probably one of the biggest theological disgraces to the church of our day that we know about forgiveness and yet we don't take it home and use the word. So many Christian families out there, guys, they never use the word forgive me. They never say that to their children. The children don't say it to the parents and yet they come to church and they say, I believe it. What do you believe exactly? You see, this is the only line in the model of prayer in which he gives a stern warning in verse 14. He says this, after the prayer, after the model of prayer, he says this. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
Now, whether you want to see that as a stern warning or you just want to see that as a caveat, the reality is what he's saying here is, guys, listen, there's a line in this prayer that has incredible value to God. Because in heaven, your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. This judgment seat idea is a reward seat for believers because we believe in Jesus. We follow Jesus' grace. We act on his forgiveness. We live it out. You see, there's a reciprocal message in here in which he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive who? Our debtors. You know, the, the things that we should be doing that we're not. I should have done this or that. Father, forgive me. The thing I love about heaven is it's not like this earth. You see, on this earth, here's how, here's how it is in in California. Listen, that person sinned against me. You know what? I forgive them. I'm just not going to associate with them anymore. Did you hear what I said? I forgive that person. I'm just not going to hang around them anymore. Would you like God to be that way in heaven? You know, I forgave you. I just don't want you up here. But there's only one other place than God. Well, there you go. That's not really forgiveness, is it? Or we always try to fill our lives with processes and things. It's like, you know, we're going to be happier if we have a better education. We're going to be happier if we have more wealth. Now, you're going to be happier when your sins are forgiven and you learn to forgive other people. This doctrine, this singular doctrine is the most important thing for you to pick up. Out of all the theology in Scripture, in the Lord's Prayer, the first one he brings up for personal action is forgiveness. He says, guys, forgive each other. Write down something at the top of your paper really quick. Forgiveness will make you happy. Forgiveness will bring you joy. However you want to word it, forgiveness will do that. When you sit down to pray before Father in heaven, you have to do some soul searching at this point in the prayer. Listen, Father, if there's anything in my obligation that I didn't do or that I should do today, well, forgive me for anything I should have done that I did not do. I know you've forgiven me that, but I want to forgive anybody that does that to me, including my spouse. Including my kids. You know, yeah, maybe my husband should have loved me more. Maybe my, my, my wife should have loved me more. But you know what? I forgive. Whether they see the sin or not, I forgive the condemnation. Does that mean that there aren't consequences to sin? No. It means that sin releases the condemnation of hell. Forgive them. Why? Because that's what God does to you. That's what that happens in real life. So what you're learning from this that I think is phenomenal is the first thing you're, you're going to see in this is that accepting forgiveness from God will transform your life. If you accept God's forgiveness, really, you're also going to forgive others. He says that very clearly in scripture listen very clearly to the words of god in scripture be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other now let's i just want to pause when's the last time you asked somebody in this church will you forgive me 
Just as Christ, God forgave you. So one of two things is going on. Either, A, you need to get closer to people. Because if you meet anybody that knows Kelly, I want to tell you the truth. Anybody that knows me has had to ask forgiveness or give forgiveness to me because I've had to ask their forgiveness. Anybody who knows me, I will ask forgiveness when they get that close. Get close enough to somebody to ask forgiveness. Because when you're close to somebody and they know that you mess up and then you said you'd be there and you weren't there, you said something and you lied or you had malice in your heart or bitterness or whatever the sin may be and they get to know you and they realize my friend struggles with that, then there's going to be a time in your relationship where you say, well, you forgive me. I should have done that. I did not. And then they're going to say, of course, I forgive you. And then they're going to have to do the same thing. Why is that so important to God? Because you have to follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in a way that's of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love my kids. I always will, no matter what they do. And my forgiveness will always be offered out to them. And I have forgiving children. How do you know if somebody's forgiving unless they've actually forgiven? How do you know? Everybody wants to say I'm a forgiving person. But, well, let's apply that rule. Let's practice that. Has anybody really ever hurt you? And forgive. You see, accepting forgiveness, you begin to act like a child of heaven and not earth. You see, because in heaven... Get this. In heaven, heaven's forgiveness is sacrificial. That means a price will be paid. Jesus was our model. He was our example. There's a sacrifice to it. It's like, man, I owe that debt. Heaven's forgiveness is also, notice, by faith and not works. It is, I trust God in heaven that he will forgive me. Have you ever asked somebody's well, first of all, have you ever asked forgiveness? But second of all, if you have, have you ever had somebody that they forgive you, but then they come back and they, they get on you about the same thing? They, they go back to the same sin issue? They didn't really trust you. See, you have to restore trust. But, you know, in heaven, the way you come to salvation is by trusting in your Father in heaven who's going to teach you a whole new way of forgiveness. In our culture, it's interesting, we flip this word around, forgiveness, this, but we really don't apply it. If we applied it, I'd be able to ask you, on any given day, do you apply the word forgiveness in your home and in your relationships? And everybody would say, yes, absolutely, regularly. Heaven is also a little different in that heaven's forgiveness is eternal. Oh, I love this. Guys, guys, you want to get happy? Think about this. His forgiveness to you. Father, forgive us of our debts. You want to be happy? Listen to this. Any obligation you had before God is forgiven eternally. Past, present, future. So when you're praying and you're bringing out this part of the prayer, you're seeking God's heart to be your heart. You're sitting there going, you know, Father, if there's any debt, forgive that. that and also, if I'm holding anything against anybody... Forgive me, allow me to forgive them of that debt. 
And, and allow me not just to forgive it. This is, this is what I really uh, envy and work towards. Is that God forgives you of your debt and then he forgets. Did you know that? He forgets it. Man, there are so many things I forget that I would love to remember. And so many things I'd love to remember that I do what? Forget. Wouldn't it be refreshing if for once somebody came to you and you said, man, thank you for forgiving me when I went through all that stuff. And they sat there and said, I don't even remember that. You did that? Wouldn't you like to be able to selectively forget certain things in your life? Huh? What do you think is going to happen in heaven? We're going to get forgetful for all the right reasons. See, the problem with age is you just start forgetting because your mind and your body start forgetting. But imagine if you could forget everything you need to forget. Okay? Unless you're unforgiving, because unforgiving people, they want to hold on to bitterness. They want to take the poison pill and hope it kills the other person, right? And so forgiveness is a beautiful sort of joyous thing when you open the floodgates of heaven and you say, I want to live that out on earth. I want to be able to show people a sacrificial forgiveness on earth. I want to step into forgiveness by faith and trust that God will take, even though I'm angry at that person, I'm trusting God that he'll take care of that. And I want to give that person a forgiveness that's eternal. I want to show them a glimpse into heaven. You know what? They don't deserve it. I'm going to show them a picture of grace. They don't deserve it. I'm going to show them a glimmer of heaven. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the greatest expressions of love. Remember, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. It is by far the greatest way to express what you owe. You want to hold on to something you owe? You owe forgiveness to all people. But man, you don't know what that person did to me, Kelly. The abuse I went through as a kid. No, I get it. Sometimes forgiveness is a process of time. I get it. But remember, you're not restoring the relationship. There's not consequences. You're working on restoring it. You're letting go the condemnation of hell and saying, that person abused me for years, and I, I just want them to have forgiveness. I'm going to offer that forgiveness. I, I want them to be saved. And I'm struggling, God, with that. But if you could see fit to give me the grace to be able to accept that in my life, because that's the grace of heaven. You see, because if you don't let go, if you don't show forgiveness to others, there's one key thing we have to learn. Is there a sin that Jesus cannot forgive? Because the second you say the abuses of my life were the exception, you've Define Jesus as unforgiving. If you choose to follow. This isn't just us, guys. There's a beautiful story I'd like to read out of the Bible. It comes out of Luke. And in Luke, there's this story of Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house. And, which was common. Think about it. You know, he, he's a great teacher. He goes to the synagogue. The Pharisee or, you know, would want to invite him and say, come to my house. Uh, I'd like to treat you to a meal. 
But Jesus always had a ton of people around him. And in Luke chapter 7, there's a beautiful story about a woman who comes into the meal. And in verse 37 of chapter 7, it talks about a woman in the town who lived a sinful life. Like, if you know somebody in town here that lives a sinful life, this was them. And they come into the meal, and Jesus, as he was eating in the Pharisee's house, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She stood behind him and at his feet. So his feet were probably behind him. He was laying down. And then she was weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped wiped him with her hair, and she kissed him and poured. I mean, this is awkward moment stuff. For anybody in the room, this is awkward moment. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said, he's talking to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. So Jesus turns uh, to Simon Peter and he says, I got something to tell you. This is what I love about Jesus. He was the perfect teacher. Listen to what he did. Tell me, teacher, he said. Well, two people, they owed money to a certain money lender. One of them owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one of them had a house mortgage and the other one had a car mortgage or a car payment. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now imagine somebody comes in and forgives you of your house payment or forgives you of your car payment or something more. We're talking this is substantive money. Now which of them, which of them will love him more? The one who, who, who lets go your debt of your home or the one who lets go of the debt of your car? Well, they both seem big to me. Simon replied, I suppose it's the one who had the bigger debt of that'll experience that forgiveness, right? It's the bigger debt. Jesus didn't say, no, 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 they're all the same. He said, you judge correctly. So he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see the woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman, from the time I entered, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but you know what? She has poured perfume on my feet. You showed me no respect. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, they've been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever's forgiven little loves little. So Jesus turned to her, and she said, your sins are forgiven. And at that point, the other guests began to say among themselves, who's this that can forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith you trusted me. You loved me. You poured yourself out on me. Your faith will save you. Go in peace. Forgiveness is a powerful release of heaven. And we look at people as unforgivable for what they have done. It's more about the condition of the heart. I seek my heart. I search and I extend it and I say, God, teach me to forgive God. A lot. When you're young, guys, listen, if you're young and you have a young family, listen carefully. When you're young, you actually feel as though maybe I can find happiness outside of my relationship with Jesus. You have a young family, you got a good job. Maybe I can find happiness somewhere else. It's interesting, as you grow older and you have more life experience, you realize, I need forgiveness. 
my sins, my shortcomings, the sins of this world, the sins of people, they start to accumulate. You realize that this doctrine becomes your major life theme. I love God because God is forgiving. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's no greater thing. How about this one? Forgiveness cleanses our consciences. It really does. It, it helps us just have a free conscience. It frees us from guilt. I love that about forgiveness. No more guilt. You see, the reason is when Christ came as a high priest to the good things that are now already here, much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, he offered himself unblemished. All those sacrifices they had to make. He made it. He offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses us, our conscience, from acts that lead to death so that we could serve a living God. What's the outcome? He cleanses our conscience so that we can do what? Serve. Guys, Christians should be the most wonderful people because you live life with a clean conscience. How do you do that? You pray this line in the prayer. Forgive our debts. Any obligations, God, that I haven't met, I know you forgive. And if there are any obligations others have owed me but they haven't given them, may I forgive all my debtors, all those who have wronged me and done bad things about me. Why? Because I want to live my life with a clear and clean conscience before you. You... You want to find peace and contentment in life? Find forgiveness. And then some will say, well, I don't have anything against anybody. Well, then I have to ask you a question. When people sin against you, are you the one who says, I forgive you? I just don't want to hang out with you anymore. Forgiveness cleanses your conscience and frees you from guilt of any kind. It brings peace to your soul. It's the very nature of what he wants. And forgiveness, last of all, but not least, releases happiness. I want to talk about your happiness now. You want to be happy? I love the way Randy Alcorn puts this. Write this down. Everybody in America wants to be happy because we're hedonists. But listen to what Jesus says about happiness. Listen to the stories of the God. God is the source of all happiness, right? And sin separates us from God, right? Randy Alcord had a conclusion. Sin separates us from what? Happiness. And guess what the answer to sin in life is? Forgiveness. Again, let's go back to this. Your parents, have you taught your children to ask forgiveness? You're married, have you asked your wife forgiveness? You have neighbors, you have friends that know you, have you ever sought their forgiveness? Forgiveness must be practiced. And the last place I want to turn you in the Bible is to Psalms 32. This is perhaps the greatest example of why sin destroys, but forgiveness brings happiness. David did it best. David, we always look at him as some great man. He had a great heart for God, you know, but you do realize he committed adultery and murder. In Psalms 32, David says this. Happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, 
whose sins are covered over. Happy is the one whose sin in the Lord does not count against them, whose spirit is no deceit. Do you have an image of you're going to go to heaven and be judged? Hold on, I thought God doesn't hold your sin against you. Maybe you need to change the way you see your Father in heaven. Otherwise, you're saying he holds it against you. Think about it. You should be happy. Why? Because, folks, if you trust in Jesus Christ with the salvation of your souls, he holds nothing against you. And you should hold nothing against others. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't deal with sin? You, there shouldn't be justice? No, no, absolutely not. There are consequences for the people's sin. But there's a huge difference between saying, I want them all to go to hell versus I want them all to go to heaven. Forgiveness releases your happiness. You want to find joy in life? Start using forgiveness. This is what David said. Because here's the, way, here's the way you feel. Listen carefully, guys. This is the way you feel when you're not forgiven. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. It's then that I acknowledged my sin. I confessed it to you and did not cover up my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is the weight of sin. This is what people without Christ live under every day. Some sort of thing that weighs upon them and taps them like the heat of summer. And they wonder why. But David... David told them, this is what I love. Remember the survey we gave? One of the reasons people will not pray is because of pride. Did you remember that one? Pride? Listen to David's attack on his own pride. He tells us all, he says, next, don't be like a horse or a mule. They have no understanding, but they must be controlled by a bit and a bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but it's the Lord's unfailing love that surrounds the one who trusts in him. You, if you follow Jesus, are surrounded by the love of God. Live that way. Don't allow sin to tap you. Don't allow your own pride to act like a mule. Don't do that. Release it. Let it go. And lastly, then he says at the end of it, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing. All you who are upright in heart, sing. Start singing, even if your voice stinks. Why? Because you have been released from all your sins. Live in that. Surround yourself in the love of God. Make it a part of your daily prayer life that you are willing to forgive all debts. I promise you, if you have children, listen, parents, if you have children, I promise you, your kids are going to test this line of the verse. Why? Because they'll sin against you and they don't even know it. How did that vase get broken? Johnny, you're awfully quiet. What happened, Johnny? I don't know. Right? 
You'll deal with this in the nature of children. You'll deal with it in the nature of adults. Effective prayer brings about forgiveness and happiness. Why are you happy? Because if you effectively pray, you release your debts. I'd like you to fill in the blank here. Last thing for the day before we go to the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Supper. Have you ever said anything like this? Now, would you practice this for a month? I was wrong. I sinned when I lied to you. Will you forgive me? Now, I'm going to give a confession. I'm going to give an example of a confession to you as your pastor. Because remember, those who confess their sins are faithful and righteous to forgive. Is he not? One of my struggles in life that I have to deal with with my wife, and you can ask her because she would say amen, hallelujah, that's absolutely true, is if I was to say this to her, which I already have and on many occasions, I would say I was wrong, babe. I sinned when I was inconsiderate of you. Will you forgive me? I came home. I carried my own woes. I didn't think about how your day went. I forgot to consider you. I was inconsiderate. Will you forgive me? And I will leave it at that. This shows me something about someone. Practice forgiveness. You know why we don't like to practice forgiveness or even do the Lord's Prayer? It's because you know what? When you ask forgiveness, you have to be humble. And there's no way to be prideful and humble at the same time. You just can't do it. You can't be prideful and humble at the same time. So if you've got too much pride, you'll say, I'm too good for that. I'll justify my sin. I'll find a way out. But after you experience humility, there's a release. And the release is joy. Humble yourselves. Confess your sins. Be forgiven. Surround yourself with the love of God. Guys, you should be the happiest people on this planet because you are the most forgiven. Huh? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have forgiven us of our debts. You forget them. You cast them aside in a way. You forget them. We are the ones who keep remembering. We are the ones that keep wanting to pull things back up and live in it as though you lived there. Teach us that your kingdom would come. Help us to bring heaven to earth. Help us to open the gates of heaven and show people the forgiveness that you offer. And Father, the debt we may owe someone else, there may be somebody this morning that's trapped in some sort of sin or frustration of debt that someone else has done against them. Someone's hurt them. They're holding on to things. Help us to release and forgive. Help us to let go the debt and to love. Help us to surround ourselves with your joy. And as we come to your table to remember the sacrifice you made on the cross, that sacrifice was associated to the forgiveness. It's on the cross. All of our sins were nailed. All the bloody, ugly, sinful things were nailed. Help us to learn to sacrifice of our lives 
to forgive others when they sin against us. If there is anyone here, Father, who claims to follow you, who is holding on to a sin, I pray by your spirit, give them power and strength to humble themselves, to confess that sin before you, to literally seek your forgiveness first and then the forgiveness of others. Father, it is in that forgiveness that we live every day, whether we realize it or not. Thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins. Thank you for forgetting them. And thank you for the joy and the happiness we can live in of a clear conscience without guilt. In your name.